Can someone remind me some things about last week's story? What was last week's story about? Just popcorn, tell me different people. Who's some characters that were in last week's story besides David? <laughs> King Saul? Huh? That was two weeks ago. Well, no, you're right. You're right. It was Doeg. Because Doeg is who? Anybody remember? Saul's shepherd, his, his sheep herder, is who Doeg was, who happened to be where and overhear a conversation David was having with who? A priest. And his name was Ahimelech, remember? And Ahimelech and all 85 priests ended up being killed. Doeg killed them all, you know, because David told a little white lie. So we learn lying can, may not get you in trouble, but it gets somebody in trouble, doesn't it? So we need to watch the things we say. And, of course, we also learned that David continued to hide from Saul. And that's where our story will pick up today. David's still running and hiding from King Saul as he's trying to catch David. And uh, he's afraid of David. And we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. But before we uh, do that, I want to ask you a little question, and this doesn't necessarily relate. This is just something I want you to think about today. Imagine this. Your house is on fire. Everyone's safe. Everyone's gotten out of the house. You have 30 seconds to run through the house and collect three articles that you want to save. What would you grab? Think about that for a minute. Your house is on fire. Everybody's safe. All the people are safe. And the animals are safe. Let's let the animal can be an answer, one of those three things. So let's say all the people are safe. An animal could be an answer of something you you would grab. But think of three things... You've only got 30 seconds to run in. What are those three things we're going to get? An animal would be your thing. For What's that? The Bible. Family pictures. Right. Teamwork. Any other answers? Something you would you would get. Antiques, an heirloom that you could... Insurance papers. papers, That might be very important these days, right? Kids' favorite toy. toy. Grandfather's watch. Grandfather's watch. Wallet. Wallet. Okay. The things that we, now, we've got time to think about this right now. If it actually happened, you're just on the fly, right? You're going in, you're making sure there's no person or a pet or something like that. Those are the first things you're looking for, something that's living. Uh, your phone, yeah, a lot of people would look for their phone. It's hard to believe it wouldn't already be on them, but, you know, just in case. That's right. If you woke up and ran out of the house just to, to get away from it. But, you know, those are, those are some precious things. I got to thinking, and this, this is where our story comes in today. 
Um, of course, those things that we all named are things that are hard to replace. Some of them are totally irreplaceable, right? Things that are family, uh, sentimental articles, and those you can't replace things like that, can you? There are some things, though, that are there that might be in, actually in monetary value worth a whole lot more, though, that we would leave there because it could be replaced, couldn't it? You know, and so in times of crisis, we do find out what's important to us, don't we? Because we don't have an option but to evaluate those things and, and make quick decisions about those kinds of things. Now think about David. He's running place to place. We've already seen last week in the story some things that were important to him. First of all, food was important and having a sword, right? Those were pretty important things for David last week. And today we're going to find David in a situation uh, where he is in control and can end this whole thing. But before we get into that, let's bow our heads and ask God to teach us something as we learn this Bible story today. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the lessons that we learn uh, from your word. Things that help us today are just as relevant now as they were for David, you know, 3,000 years ago. And so, God, uh, we know that your word is timeless, that it's living, it's active, and it's beneficial and as we learned last week, we come to church so that we can be fed by you and we can be equipped to go out into the world and make a difference so that more people come to hear the gospel and see the gospel in action by the way that we live our lives. Help us to be a light for you, and we pray that this story time today will be something that we learn, some, some lessons from it that we can apply in our lives today and throughout the week. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's story does come from 1 Samuel 24. Don't turn there. Let's learn the story together. And this is how today's story goes. So Saul had been chasing David from place to place. And at one point, they came to a large rock formation. And David and his men were on one side of this rock formation, and Saul and his army was on the other side. If Saul had gone just a little bit farther around this rock formation, he would have seen David and been able to capture him, but he didn't. And before he was about to go around there where he could catch David, what happened was a messenger came to Saul and he said, Hurry, you need to come back. The Philistines have invaded our land. So Saul had to retreat in order to save the nation from the Philistines. And Saul did. He and his army, they were able to push the Philistines back to their, their nation, and, and they, saved, they saved Israel. But after that battle was over, they named, they remembered what had happened, and then Saul had heard about David having been on the other side of this rock formation, and the men named that place the Rock of Escape. David had moved his men since to the canyons of En Gedi. After Saul was done fighting the Philistines, he heard that David was at En Gedi. 
He selected 3,000 of his best soldiers and he took them to En Gedi uh, to find David. Along the way, Saul stopped and went into a cave to relieve himself. Saul had to go to potty, okay? <laughs> but he didn't know that David and his whole army was hiding. This is a big cave, y'all. David and his whole army were hiding in this cave that Saul had to go potty in. His men began to say, David, this is your, this is your opportunity. While Saul is unawares, you can kill him. God's get, the Lord has given Saul to you today. And they whispered to David, kill him, kill him, kill him now. But instead of killing Saul, David got close enough to Saul while he's using the bathroom to cut the corner of Saul's robe off. Instantly, David even felt guilty for doing that. And he said to his men, hear what I'm telling you. God anointed King Saul to be the king over Israel. And even my little finger, everybody show me your little finger, if you got one. Even my little finger won't hurt him. His men were thrilled that the Lord had given Saul to David, but then they realized David has done something that we can't even imagine. He held us back so that he held his men back so that they couldn't get Saul. And they allowed Saul to leave the cave peacefully. That would have been a real good opportunity just to end this whole thing, wouldn't it? David could have ended it all right there. So as King Saul is walking away from the cave, David runs out of the cave and he yells, My Lord, the King! And Saul stopped and he looked back. David was standing there and he said, Who are you listening to? In other words, do you know who I am? Who told you that I wanted to hurt you? All this time, Saul, he's been telling people, David's trying to kill me. But not once has David tried to kill him, right? And then he tells Saul, look at the corner of your robe. It's missing because I'm holding it right here in my hand. God gave your life to me when you came into this cave. My men told me to kill you, but I didn't because you are my king. You're, you are the Lord's anointed, Saul, and I would never hurt you. Listen to what I'm saying. I haven't sinned against you. Still, you are trying to kill me. I'm asking the Lord to judge between us. And know he will make things right. But I will never hurt you, Saul. When Saul heard these words from David, he broke down and he began to cry. He said, oh, my son David, you're more righteous than I am. You have only returned good for all the bad that I've done to you. How is it that the Lord gave me to you and you didn't kill me? 
Who's heard of such a thing? Now I know it's true that you, David, you will be the king of Israel. David, my son, swear to me by the Lord that when you're king, please, please don't kill my descendants. Don't eliminate my father's name from our tribe. So David made a vow to Saul that day that he would not kill Saul's descendants when he became king. Saul then took his men and he returned back home and David went back into hiding. And about that same time, the prophet Samuel died and everyone in Israel mourned the death of the prophet Samuel. This story is so interesting to me. Before we tell it again, I think it's important maybe for some of our uh, younger people in the room to understand this situation because we, uh, we're a bit spoiled, wouldn't you say so, in our culture? Isn't it nice to be able to turn the thermostat down and be in air conditioning today? And if you have such a time to relieve yourself, we have indoor plumbing. Amen? I did a little research this week. You know, the first time, the person that invented a flushing toilet, that happened in 1596. That's just a little over 400 years ago. This was 3,000 years ago. We might even have some people. We have anybody in the room that's ever had to go to bathroom in an outdoor john? Most of us young folks have never had to do that, have we? You know, too much, you know. I had to when I was in Mexico one time. They had one outhouse for a village of 250 people, right? You know? So, you know, there are people still kind of living that way, right? But, you know... So what I'm getting at, not to be gross or anything like that, uh, so much different experience in the time of David. It's hard to, I'm not going to give you an illustration or anything like that today, but to just see how, you know, that's an intimate thing for us. We have the privacy of our homes and bathrooms inside, don't we? You know, and it's difficult for us uh, when we have to deal with things like this. In the past, things like that or taking a bath weren't as private, you know. Uh, you know, Jennifer, my wife, she's Japanese, half Japanese. Her mom tells us stories. She remembers when she was a kid in Japan. The whole community would go take baths together in a big, huge hot bath, a, a natural hot spring. You know, all the women would go together at one time during the day. All the men would go together at one time during the day, you know, and take baths like that. We don't have that kind of thing in our culture anymore, right? There's a lot of reasons for it. Some of them are good reasons, right? But, you know, you, you, you know uh, things were different in times past. And with David, it was not out of the ordinary for someone to have to go to the restroom. And this occasion come along there's no special private place for Saul to use the restroom and at a very volatile moment for us right that David had an opportunity with Saul and didn't take it I don't know if you could probably think of a more volatile place maybe being asleep but a king's going to have a lot of guards for something like that so this is our story just so now we kind of understand what's going on there Another thing that may be hard for us to understand, 
David cutting off the corner of his robe. Did you know that scissors weren't really invented until about 400 years later after this story? The first pair of scissors was invented in 400 B.C. in Italy, or what's now known as Italy. And so even before, even, even during this time, he would have had to have a, a knife. Think how difficult that is to cut the corner off. He might have had a really sharp knife. And, and Saul not even know he's there. So it wasn't something that just happened in 10 seconds is what I'm trying to get at here. You know, this, this is something that maybe happened over a minute or two, right? For David to be able to do that. And so we have David running from Saul back to our story. And David and his men are one, on one side of a rock formation. Saul and his armies on the other side. And they're coming around. They're about to be able to be at a point where they can find David and his men. But a messenger comes in and says, The Philistines are attacking us. And we have to protect Israel. So Saul and his army, they leave to go fight this battle with the Philistines. And they win this battle. David and his men, in the meantime, they go to a place called En Gedi and gather there. Saul hears about this place that David's gone to after they've won the battle and he's been told about how David got away because of this rock formation and they named this place the Rock of Escape. And Saul then takes his army toward En Gedi, an army of 3,000 to find David. And when they get to En on their way there, Saul has, uh, you know, nature calls. And as he's in this cave where David and all of his men are hiding, Saul begins to do his business. And David's men say, David, the Lord has handed Saul to you. You can kill him. Kill him. Kill him right now while he's using the bathroom. David, no, I can't kill him. But he still goes up to where Saul is. And he cuts the corner of Saul's robe off, goes back to his men, and they are just confused. I don't understand. And David begins to explain to them, I would never kill, I would never hurt the Lord's anointed, no matter what. I would never do that to the Lord's anointed. And so then Saul leaves the cave, and David prevents his men from going after Saul. And as Saul gets outside the cave, David walks out and he says, Hey, King Saul, you know who's talking to you now? Why are you trying to kill me? I've never tried to hurt you. I've never tried to kill you. And look at here. I've got the corner of your robe in my hand to prove. I have no intention of ever hurting you. When Saul realizes all this time, he's driven himself absolutely mad, thinking David's after him, but that wasn't what was going on at all. He breaks down and he cries, and he says, David, you're a better man than I am, and one day you will be a great king. even calls him son twice in this conversation because they used to be close. I mean, David married his daughter. That was David's first wife. They're really close, but they've grown further apart because of Saul's madness. 
Then Saul and his men leave, realizing that, that, that David spared his life that day. And as they return, they find out that the prophet Samuel has died, and everyone in the nation of Israel mourns the death of the prophet Samuel. I ask you, find somebody close to you and tell the story real quickly right now with someone. Tell the story. I know this is, you may be getting tired of doing this now, but I'm telling you, this is a great way to keep it in your brain. Tell the story yourself out loud, just in simple points to a neighbor near you right now. Good job, everybody. It's a, it's a story I want to encourage you. Find somebody to tell it to this week as you, as you go throughout your week. Talking about Bible stories is something that, uh, you know, telling stories is important. And, uh, you know, a lot of stories, you probably could tell stories that your grandparents and your parents hand down to you. This is how God's Word was handed down for so many years. And so it's important for us to continue that tradition of telling the stories in case our house were to burn down, right? <laughs> and the Bible not get taken, right? We still have that story hidden in our heart. So it's important. Here's some life lessons that we can learn from today's story of, of Saul, King Saul and, and David. The first life lesson, God blesses those who trust his plan and leave vengeance to him. David had a lot of reasons to want to be vengeful, didn't he? I mean, we can think of a lot of the things. That we haven't covered everything in these sermons that relate to all the things that Saul had done to David. Uh, you know, throwing spears at him in the palace, chasing after him. And it's easy for us to think that these eight to ten chapters of David running from Saul may have happened in just a couple of years. But when you really dig into it, you realize this is 10 to 12 years he ran from Saul. Can you imagine being on the run that long? Being a fugitive in your own country that long for 10 to 12 years running from the king. He was getting tired. And it would have been so easy for him to take that knife and do something other than cut off the corner of his robe, right? and just finish it all right there and take vengeance into his own hands. 
But we know the Bible says on numerous occasions, vengeance is the Lord's, right? It's not our job to take vengeance. And when we trust God and when we trust his plan, God blesses us. It doesn't mean we're perfect. David's not perfect. He makes a lot of mistakes. Even after he's king, he makes some big boo-boos. But what makes him someone who does have, have a heart like God's is he keeps coming back to God when he makes those mistakes. Sometimes God has to use other people to help him realize it. We were talking about this before uh, earlier this morning. David would not have been the king that he was had God made him king after he was anointed and he not had to go through these trials and tribulations. God used King Saul to mold David into the person he wanted David to be. Why do I say that? Have you ever asked God the question, God, why, are you, why am I going through this difficult situation right now? If you've not asked that question before, you're not normal, right? Why am I dealing with this hardship in my life right now? Why, why am I having trouble paying the bills this month? Or why am I dealing with these health issues, God? Why is my family struggling through this? Why did this tragedy happen in my life? God, why would you let a mean guy like Saul be king? God's plan so much bigger than anything we can ever imagine, isn't it? He's using all those things, even the things that appear bad, for his good. And we may not be able to see it till way on the other side of many events. We must trust God's plan, even when it doesn't make sense to us. And in this chapter, when David is talking to his men about Saul when they're asking him to kill him? Three different times, David calls King Saul God's anointed, the Lord's anointed. It's really hard for us to swallow what I'm about to say because it doesn't make sense to us. But God allows leaders like an Adolf Hitler to be leaders or a Saddam Hussein or a Vladimir Putin or a president you don't like or a mayor you don't like or a pastor you may not like or a grandfather you may not like. God allows those kinds of people to be leaders in different areas of our lives and our world. But trust Him. He's allowed it for a reason. Now I'll bring up a name like an Adolf Hitler. I recently went through a historical study. Uh, Dan Carlin has a podcast called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. And I listened to this series. I'm fascinated with World War II. I'm fascinated with history, period. But... World War II in the Pacific, my grandfather, we got Memorial Day, you know, coming up next week, and my grandpa Davis, he fought in World War II in the Pacific, and uh, we've still got the original mission signed by 
uh, General uh, MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur. It's really cool to have that. That mission is, is, was supposed to happen in six and a half weeks. Well, Papaw was on the island of New Guinea for two and a half years. <laughs> Didn't quite go out like it was planned, did it? So this podcast has just helped me learn a whole lot about those Pacific warfare with the Japanese and all that kind of stuff. and Just a really neat thing. And we think, golly, why would God let so many millions die in a war like that? Y'all, that was just 80 years ago. It's hard for us to imagine right now, isn't it? Why would God allow so many people to die in something like that? And then we see what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, and maybe God allowed that to happen so that a nuclear weapon wouldn't be fired now. And even millions, millions, and billions possibly die, right? Some bad things happened in World War II, and we've been fortunate not to have to live through something like that since. But God allows things for certain reasons. We don't know all the reasons. That second point goes along with what we've just been talking about, honor authority. I may, not do, I may not agree with my politicians that are over me, but I still need to honor and respect them because God's allowed them to have that position. God's allowed them to have that position just like he did Saul. We need to honor them. Third thing we can learn, don't take your own vengeance. Don't take your own vengeance. If you've ever done it before, you probably can speak from experience and be a witness when you try to get back on your own at someone. I don't know about you, but in my experience, I make a bigger mess, right? And, you know, a lot of times taking vengeance on someone ends up, rather than you just having one person deal with, then you got three of his buddies wanting to take vengeance back on you, and it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger mess, doesn't it? Allow God. When someone does wrong to you, the Bible tells us to forgive them. What does Jesus say? Turn the other cheek, right? Pray for them. Let God work on that situation. And then fourth, be blameless before God. David proves his innocence to Saul, showing the corner of his robe to prove, I, had, I could have killed you, but I didn't. I've been innocent. I've never tried to hurt you. Sometimes we do need to stand up and say, I, I didn't mean any harm to you. And that's kind of what happened, has happened here. A triangle has been created by Saul that didn't need to be created. Other people may tell Saul something David's doing. What he needed to really do was talk to David and then work it out just the two of them. Amy, if I've got a problem with you, I don't need to go talk to Philip. I need to talk to you, right? You know, that's kind of what's happened here. And this happens in all, this is very basic. Happens in church life. I've seen it so many times, you know, as a minister of music. Uh, I, I was a pastor before, and somebody would come to me and talk about, uh, Brother Danny, would you talk to our minister of music and ask them to pick out a song that I like? I was like, I'm just fine with what the minister of music's picking out. If you've got a problem with their song, you need to go talk to the minister of music. But... but <laughs> You know, but what I'm saying is, if they've got a problem with you, they don't need to come talk to me or a deacon. They need to come talk to you, Philip, right? That's what Bible teaches us. Read Matthew chapter 17 and 18. That's what Jesus talks about. If you have a brother, a problem with a brother or sister, you go talk to them. Don't start gossip and get other people on your side and create all this tension. 
And that's what's happened here in this situation is Saul has made up a story in his mind based on what other people have told him about David and what he's created in his own mind rather than going to David and working it out with David. And finally, David's the one that comes out of the cave and has a one-on-one with Saul. I don't have a problem with you. You've been trying to kill me, but I don't want to hurt you. Right? Sometimes if we'll just talk to the person we think we have a problem with, we can actually solve the problem. And then the last thing, trust God's plan. Trust his plan. I think we have enough people here that have been God's children long enough. If I ask this question, I know the answer. Is it worth it to trust God's plan? It's worth it to trust God's plan. God stays with us, and we can trust his plan. Let's bow our heads as we prepare for our hymn of commitment. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will help us to trust your plan each and every day, even though there's times your plan does not make sense to us. Help us to honor those you've put in authority over us, whether that be politically or in church life, in family, businesses. Sometimes it's hard because those that you do put in authority, they're they're sinners like we are, and they make mistakes. But God, help us uh, to honor them and respect them. And help us not to take vengeance on our own. Help us to trust you to take care of those situations and to be blameless before you and to do things with innocence in our lives and allow you to take care of situations so that when things are overcome in our lives, we are careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory uh, for the things that you do for us each and every day. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we ask you to give us a, a, a way that we can use this story in our lives and apply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.